Hello, everyone. Welcome to Green Knight Podcast. And today I have the honor of welcoming the very first guest to the podcast. He is an excellent researcher and interviewer and is more brilliant in my mind, or as brilliant and more than many of his venerable guests. His uh, mind is sharp and uh, he has a, the ability to detect any incongruous elements of one's argument and he hones in right on it and you can't escape. <laughs> so welcome to the podcast, the great Alex Tesseris of the Skeptico podcast. Welcome, Orch. Alex. Orch, <laughs> that is so, so kind of an introduction and it's so great. And I know we're going to have a great time because we were just chatting about this incredible I want to say intellectual synchronicity that we have because I'm listening to your show and I'm going like, wow, this is this <laughs> guy. And, and, you know, as you kind of maybe alluded to a little bit, it's like, hey, man, we are not going to agree on everything. But it's like at this deeper level, I'm like, wow, that's just deeply, undeniably so freaking true, you know, which is. Uh, th th that's every that that's everything you know that's that's perfection in this pursuit of knowledge is like just that you know the paradox yeah um the uh, incongruities right yes and that's where we that's where my mind goes that's where i've been you know i used to say i was fixated on duality because i wanted to find out what it was you know and I've made some discoveries through the podcast uh, that kind of help, I think, you know, and I find that uh, there's a lot of in the truth seeking community, especially we'll find people defending a position, you know, but the harder they defend it, you know, the more you find out that the opposing side has some valid points as well, you know. <laughs> oh, totally. You know, one of the things I found interesting about the kind of work that you've been doing, and we were chatting a little about this, is that the, the process you've taken with the Green Knight is such an intriguing process. It's, you know, this just obviously metaphorical, you know, indirect uh, but at the same time, it's it, it's it's also coming at this in metaphor that is different than we're accustomed to. Because you were talking about the non-dual thing. This is where I'm going. Like, yeah. non-dual has been the source of spiritual inspiration for me for a long time. And again, I sometimes front on this, you know, don't kind of make it as explicit as because if you just come out and say I'm a yogi you know then people have all these assumptions about what it means and stuff like that but it's like to me fundamentally that is kind of where my head is at you know so but the funny thing is you're taking me in a completely different direction with the green knight you know and then I'm finding the path back like what do you mean he cut off his head and then he grabbed his head and why is he green and why does he, you know, the whole thing. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want it to be, you know, simpler. I want it to be, uh, you know, or I want it to fit into my, I want it to fit into my preconceived model of how, you know, I, I think about big picture metaphor of what life is all about. And when it fails to do that, um, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm pulled in. Yeah, and when you're talking about non-duality, you end up 
words are required to discuss it. You know, we need language to have this discussion. But uh, when it comes down to it, words are not required to for comprehension of what it is. You know. And so I think that's where we fall into the trap a little bit is that words are the word is not the thing, you know. And so we psychologically attach to our feeling about the thing as opposed to just observing the thing, you know. And uh, that was the kind of my around the first question that I wanted to ask you was because on a recent show of yours, one of the topics you had on the list was, are we part of the show? Are the people who are trying to find out what's going on uh, falling into the mechanism of what's going on, really, you know? And what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think there's so many ways to kind of uh, take that, take that. Uh, again, <laughs> you know, we could just spit off. I, the first thing that pops to mind is I remember like a long time ago, I was listening to this interview with Shirley MacLaine, do you remember Shirley MacLaine? Yes, of course. And out uh, on a limb, baby. <laughs> What's that? Out on a limb. Yeah, yeah. And and and, and for a lot of people, you know, uh, I'm really not into kind of old movies or anything like that. But every once in a while, when an old star pops up like that, and then you realize, hey, this person was a fucking megastar. You know, it's like in and then you think about the modern megastars now, and you're like, no. That's who she was. And then she did this thing, because for people who don't remember, Shirley MacLaine was the first one to do astral travel, to right. say, hey, I've been outside my body. This is what it's all about. And, you know, you talk about non-dual, I mean, kind of like, boom, you know, total moonshot with the consciousness thing. And then that became her identity in, in a very significant way. And because she was first, I mean, she got just completely destroyed, you know, I guess, but, it, it, but she revived and she did it. Anyways, I digress. This interview, she said this incredible thing, Birch. She, the, the guy's trying to pin her down. He goes, look, we're all here to entertain each other. And I thought, fuck, I don't like that. No, I do this show. I like interview smart, smart people, scientists, and they know stuff. And then I know stuff. And she's like, no, you're just fucking entertaining people. And even if you're trying not to entertain people, that's all you could ever do because you're just here for this little, this little ride on this little thing. And then you got another one coming and then you got to connect with these people and all the rest. And when you look at it from that bigger spiritual perspective, you go, Oh my God, you're right. I am at some level here just to entertain and, and you know because education is part of entertainment too but it really is all about that so i guess part of that is is one way to answer that but the other way to answer it which i think you're coming at too is that in this community that we're in i think we can also see the dangers of being getting a certain, I don't know, attraction to knowing, you know, to being 
oh, I got to, I know this, I know this now, and somebody else doesn't know this, and, you know, I got the COVID, and I got that, and, oh, you know, and, oh, 9-11, and did you know this? Or, I still got people, you know, I, I, JFK is still amazing to me. You know, I got a guy just yesterday, well, Bruce Titoris, who's a fantastic guy, but, you know, he's sending me an article on Marilyn Monroe, and this and that, and it's like, I'm game, I'm not, I'm not against the good, <laughs> but it's like, dude, you know, it really, is, is there something there we, we, it's going to be life-changing to us if we know some new little factoid about, right. you know, that. so what, what, are, what are your thoughts? Where does that take you, that whole thing? Well, um, immediately to the, your last comment there. Um, yeah, we know something happened there. Right. And like you said, it's like, if you don't know there was something fucked up that happened there, then you're fucking, I don't know. You've got some serious blinders on, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, it's like, do the little details really matter that much now at this point? We know that something fucked up really happened there. Like, and, uh, you know, you could call it the, whatever, whoever was fucking responsible for it. Uh, JFK was trying to go off the res, you know, and they shut his ass down, <laughs> you know, and a lot of people think that was like some kind of ritualistic killing, you know, and you could get into all the little details, but now we're here you know so what do we you know it's like what do these little details about Marilyn monroe really really matter that much i mean it's cool to like explore but does it really matter that much and then that kind of just leads into the point that you began with which is this is just entertainment right so now i have this new bit of information that i can talk about in the next episode right <laughs> it's like there's just more content every week more, you know, but hold, hold on, because let's process. make sure we're, let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. What is not entertainment? What right. in your life personally is th oh, that's this isn't entertainment. This is like the real deal because that shit slips through my hands. The first that's Shirley MacLaine is like, oh, no, my relationship with my children, you know, is that's not entertainment. It's like, really? if I really want to tease that apart and I want to tease every little aspect of that. And it's like, but they were born uniquely themselves and they're going to live this life. And then past life research tells me they're going to live a next life. And then I go, fuck, I'm just along on the ride. I'm just part of the entertainment cycle that they're having. And I know it's more than that, but you know what I mean? If you, the more you start putting it through the sieve, what isn't entertainment. It's a different philosophical way of looking at life, I think, is what, and I think that's what Shirley MacLaine was talking about. She wasn't just talking about, you know, entertainment per se. Yeah, I, I think that we're still, uh, we're still parallel here in that, um, every, you know, I think it kind of relates to like this whole uh, postmodern shit about everyone has their own truth, you know? You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is, and so we're all just going to be living our own truth and then we'll all get recycled again. You know, and it's like this never ending process. And so at what point is there an urgency that this thing that we are all doing um, change, you know? And I think in every generation, there's someone fucking saying it's the end of the world this time, you know? God needs our help. Yeah. <laughs>
and 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 so as far as that goes it's like um it's this everyone has an opinion right and we're gonna bust these things out weekly on the on a podcast or whatever and it'll be the new thing that we're talking about but then next week you need your fix again you know it's like that's why a lot of people tune in i think it's just like oh yeah oh yeah the man is fucking us again you know in this weird new way that we just found out about right <laughs> And so that's what I think. It's it's almost an entertainment aspect in that way. It's it's like very uh, serious stuff that we're talking about, but at the same time, it's just scratching that itch, you know, that people have. Well, and I think it's a really subtle thing. You know, we could wind up talking about one small little thing like this for a long time. Yeah. But that's kind of the point also, is that when people want to just kind of move on, I mean, this is one thing I've really appreciated about what Skeptico has talk, taught me, is like, when people are in a big hurry to move on, it's like, mm, I don't know, I kind of find sorting through, rummaging through the details be really interesting. Hey, here's a JFK, here's a JFK tidbit, that if you don't, fucking see this is so immediately relevant to everything everything right now is good anyone can go watch this video it's dan rather again another oldie like people don't remember dan rather but dan rather was the nightly news guy on cbs and he took over for walter cronkite and yeah. walter cronkite was you know Papa, Papa Walt, you know, he was the source for information. There was just one. It was Walter Crankate. He was the most credible news source there was. So some people know this. Most people don't. Dan Rather. <laughs> he says, OK, I've seen this Zabruder film. I can't show it to you because it's just too horrific. Right off the bat in our modern sensibility, like alarm bells are going off. He goes, but I've seen it. And here's what happens. The president is sitting in the car and he gets struck from the bullet from behind and his head goes down like this. He mimics this. He shows this. He acts it out on the news. And this becomes accepted uh, what what happened? It's a lie. We, we, we eventually, so here's the thing to put together. Like I'm making this long thing, but it's really, really super significant. He's shown to be a liar. He's shown to be intentionally misleading people. He's not lying about seeing the film. Yeah, he saw the film. He just acted it out the exact opposite. Anyone who's watched that film, and we've all watched that film now a hundred times. No, his head doesn't. His head flies back and his brains fly out the, the back of the thing and his wife is crawling over there to pick up his brains. He lied to all of us. Why did he lie? Because he was told to lie because there was a story and they controlled the story at that level that they could have. And what happens to Dan Rather? He very famously becomes the $7 million man. The first guy to get the largest contract for the anchor, CBS, he becomes the guy. A lot of people thought he wasn't that good of an anchor, you know, he does it, but he became the guy. I mean, so like 
rummage through that history, folks. Rummage through that history and nail it down. Make sure you understand that and go over it 50 times if you have to. And you go and then burn it into your head that that really happened. And that was 1960, whatever. And that's the level of control that they had then. Yeah. That's the level of fucking control they had then. That's the level of pre-planning they had then. And there's no denying it, pandemic, COVID. No, no, no. Just go watch Dan Rather fake how the head goes and look you in the eye and tell you, I saw the film, motherfucker, and this is what happened. And then you sit back and you go, whoa. I am living in a different world than I really think I'm in. Yeah. Um, and for those of us who are a little bit older, like we can remember what it was like when we were younger back then, you know, where we actually thought that uh, what we saw on the news was real, you know. But uh, I mean, I think that what you're talking about here is how the same shit is happening now you know, on a larger scale. But is, does that like, does that explode your mind or does that make you go, well, fuck man, how many times does this have to happen before we realize, you know, it's like the same shit again, except with better technology. <laughs> so what's the green, what's the green knight doing? Why does the green knight lay his head down and say, go ahead, whack, whack me with the ax. Why does he do that? Well, um, so he's green, right? Yeah, yeah. why is he fucking green? He and people in the hall exclaim that is he some uh, fairy creature, right? And so the fairies are always in alignment with nature, right? So he's green because he represents nature and not the respect for nature, but nature itself. And we can go and the we wildness, can- The wildness, the wildness, un yeah. the unpredictability of- And uh, human beings can claim that they have control over nature, right? And they can, sh they can hewn logs, right? And they can, you know, trim a forest down and do all this stuff. But guess what? Nature comes back, <laughs> you know? I think that's the beginning of the message right there. It's our relationship with nature. And as you move forward in the story, it uh, it really plays out that way. So I, I think that's somewhat of an answer to the question that you had for me is I think we are we're wanting to jump right in there and think we're in control and we need to figure out what this means because God needs our help and God doesn't need our help. And it's, that's always for me the starting point is to do a massive slow my roll and it's going to be a long time to get there, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's for the next question. I think it's a good way to jump off to it is, which is, is the human condition the result of our nature or is it as the word suggests a condition, right? That can be treated. You know, it's like we have been conditioned to be this way, taught to be this way, to have this similar psychological attitude despite technology making its changes every generation and changing the way we interact, we still are the same psychologically, right? Is that because of our nature or the because we're conditioned from birth to be this way? 
See, this is kind of a fun one because this is where we we might kind of see things differently in, in some just good ways, you know. But I think your background, particularly with physics and design and having, you know, a foot solidly in kind of this world, which I think is phenomenal because people who don't wind up just flying off in the stars and can never bring it back and relate things to us in a way that but <laughs> you knew there was a butt coming there. Again, I'm kind of the yogi sensibility makes sense to me. And like you, see, that's why I think we have this kind of cool vibe right from the beginning is like, ah, I'm a computer science guy. I mean, that was, you know, you write a fucking computer program, you get a comma wrong or a semicolon yeah, wrong. Fucking it don't work, man. It don't work. You could spend a day looking for that semicolon, you know, yeah. especially back in the day. Now there's better debugging, but you know, yeah, at any rate, you get the point. That's, that's why I fucking like the Boolean logic visual interface, you know, in physics, we use that, right? I know what the program's supposed to do. Fuck the syntax, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was terrible on the syntax, but he, here's my thing. Who am I? Who have I become? Who am I? Who have I become? That's super meaningful to me in this way. If I really go inside and look at what I think I am, it I can trace back the decisions that I've made, where I've hardened my heart, where I've been judgmental, where I've been right, where I've been wrong. But it is a process. I got on my desk. So you can see this. <laughs> I got the eight ball. I never tell people what it what it means. But what it means is if you think that fucking monkey mind in your brain is guiding you in some meaningful way, it's about as reliable as this fucking magic eight ball. And if you can't come to grips with that, then you just start listening to all the advice that it's giving you and you just find out. So it's got to be better than 50-50 right, right? And you'll find out it's not. It's demonstrably not. It's telling you, you know, hey, you know, that apple pie a la mode, there's really nothing wrong with that, you know, and you haven't had one in a week and you know you love it. And the next thing you know, you're, you're just whatever it is, whether it's your health or whatever. That is the nature of this monkey mind that's in there that uh, people like I'm saying the yogi thing have analyzed forever and said just it's just not that reliable as a source. So that's my answer to the, the very roundabout answer is like, who are we? Who have we become? We are a product of listening to this voice that sometimes is fucking brilliant, is undeniably brilliant. And that can fool us too, because it is brilliant. But so much of the time, it's just really creating a bunch of bullshit. Does, so, that, yeah. does that come close to answering it for you? Or does that a, yeah. Um, at all? Or? Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, I think we agree, man, because this is the nature of what Gawain finds out in the fucking Green Knight, you know? This is the nature of the teachings of the Tao, you know? This is also the nature of the Hermetic Principles, 
right? And these are all tools or ways that we manage this uh, dual world, right? And so when we are thinking, you know, um, when we're using our intellect, right, we're going to end up, like I was saying in the beginning, you're going to end up contradicting yourself, you know? <laughs> and, and so there's always um, a return um, of the, the opposing ideology or the opposing way to see something. They rhythmically cycle back and forth, right? And, and so if you are relying on your intellect and thought, right, then you will be on that wheel forever. And this is exactly what we were talking about. This is perhaps the condition that we were talking about. That, and this is why we have Groundhog Day, right? Where we wake up to the same shit over and over and over again. And so how do we break that cycle? That's what I'm asking. It's like, what is our nature? Well, well here, here is the, so there's two parts to what, who am I? Who have I become? So the, one of the most famous yogis in modern time, is reported to, you know, his spent 40 years asking one question, who am I? Who am I? And just repeating that question over and over again as a mantra, as, as, as long as he was awake or aware, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? So it, it, it's these yogic stories. You never know whether, you know, how much to believe or how much they're the Green Knight story, you know, but but this is supposedly the true story. And it's that's the level of unconditioning, of deprogramming that he felt was necessary. Is that never let another thought creep into my head other than who am I? Because if you think about it, that who am I immediately transforms us. It's like, oh my God, I really am nothing in a way that I could really, I am just the creation that I've become by all these things. I keep stripping it away. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? It never ends. Yeah. And it's the relationship that we have with the world, right? I mean, you say uh, our experiences, right? Who, who I was and who I have become, right? But really in every moment, you're not anything that has happened to you, you know? Exactly. And so then how do you, the relationship of, it's the idea that there's this uh, sense of self that is separate from the rest, you know? But in, the, in, in actuality, I think this is what we're going to get at in, in this talk, right? Is this is how we find non-dual. What is the non-dual? What is the unifying factor, you know? And uh, that is that there is no division in relationship, <laughs> you know? And it's when we divide is when we have the psychological sense of self and not self right. that we run into all these troubles, right? Which is the contradiction, which is the conflict, the never-ending cycle. Totally. Uh, <laughs> then again, that's not very entertaining. Right? <laughs> exactly. But uh, there's, a, I think that there's a way to move forward with that. So it's like we want to have these contrasts in order to be able to feel something. Like this is what we think we need in yes. order to feel something. Yes. Right? But what about the most badass um, 
future that you could think of. Doesn't that sound good? Like, how is it that, wouldn't it be um, motivating and, you know, this upwelling of, of, of like just pure fucking joy, you know, of a possibility of a world without fucking war, you know? I mean, and it brings it down to that, which is kind of mundane, you know, but this is what we're dealing with is all of this. I mean, we could come to it as. What, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? That's an interesting point. War. Uh, it, I mean, it is the result. Green of, Knight, the Green Knight. I mean, it's it's war, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the Bhagavad Gita, it's fucking war. They're on the battlefield. I, yeah. I don't think that's. I don't think that doesn't feel like the right answer to me either. So, I mean, this is what we're getting at here. Is it our nature to be in conflict with each other? And so this is the idea that there is us and them, right? There is the is self. Is our nature to be in conflict with, conflict with ourself? Yeah, internally too. Divided internally as well, you know? I mean, for different people, but for me, that that I, I would have to say, you know, I don't know about the nature thing for all the reasons I just said, but that is my, there was a certain sensibility that I think was in me from the beginning that, yeah, that was conflict. It was win. It was compete. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this is what we're talking about. And this is kind of what we're told uh, and that we all believe at the deepest level, which is that uh, we're animals, right? And we're competing for resources and that there's a limited supply and not everyone gets some. And so that's why that's why we have to take what we can get now for us. Right. And so then that's this is us and there's them. And if we don't take what we can get now, then they're going to fucking take it. See, see, but you, you know? just jumped. You just did a You just did a <laughs> leap that I don't know that we can do because internally there's no conflict. Right. There's no resource limitation in, in my head. Right. So why did I. Uh, why was that my warrior inclination, right? Because we all see people who, in, in ourselves and in other people, that, man, that's that guy's nature. He is a warrior, you know? And to take that person and say, no, you're not, you know, you should not be a warrior. You should not, you know, no. And go, like I say, go look at the Bhagavad Gita. And they're like, no, that guy's the warrior and he has to go do that. And that guy's the, you know, that woman is the love and nurture, you know, there's all these different kinds. So Birch, forget going external, just say internal. Yeah. But I mean, I can see what you're saying there is also in relation to the outside. Like you can't be a warrior without the relationship to what it means to be a warrior, you know, which is external, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But when people want to take the exterior, the exterior, uh, personification of that warrior thing and kind of deny the the kind of necessary part of that. I want to go, okay, well, let's strip it back down to how are you processing it internally? You know, how are you, you know, getting in the ring and, you know, seeing who comes out on top? And now we do it as the UFC, but before we used to do it on battle, and if you lose, you're a fucking North Korean. And if you win, you know, you get to have some amount of freedom that no one in the world has ever had before. But those are your two fucking options, pal. It's not, uh, 
oh, the resources that, you know, should be shared, you know, by don't we have enough for everyone kind of thing, you know. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah, I've heard you go there before. And I just said that, I didn't say it from that standpoint, that, that there, there needs to be some kind of redistribution or make sure that everyone's okay aspect, you know, because everyone is responsible for themselves, right? But there could be something about the way our society is that makes it so that um, there's this like, uh, um, like the gas law basically is you create a two chambers, one has high pressure and one has low. And if you open that valve a little bit, it's going to suck all of the air out of one from the other. Right. So there's this setup in our society and I, I I'm kind of jumping a little bit, but I want to get back to what you're kind of getting at, but basically the way our society is set up is that it sucks resources from the ones who have no bargaining position, <laughs> you know? And so then again, this is this competition thing. Whereas like, if you are in a position of strength, then you get to dictate the terms, right? See, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that on a really practical level. Again, because, you know, the way that I amassed wealth was because I was a computer programmer <laughs> and I saw it happen to a bunch of other people around me. And the way it happened was very organic, genuine, like fairy tale kind of thing. Kid would write a, I wrote a program when I was in, uh, when I was in school with, and I didn't even know half of what I was doing, but then I was able to sell that program and people started sending me money and then I thought I was smarter than I did, and I started a company. But the basic thing was I can write these computer programs, and I can go sell them to people. And then I failed and succeeded. But around me, I saw a bunch of other people that failed and succeeded. On, it was pure meritocracy. Like, you got a better fucking program that does shit that people need to get done, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet or it's a word processor. You got fucking rich, you know? So it's like the system worked if not perfectly, goddamn close to perfectly in in that period of time. And since then, I've been very much into entrepreneurship. I've been very much into helping people that cross my path at Simile. And the fucking game is the same, buddy. It's like, get your fucking head on straight. Be a fucking winner. Think about how you are going to win. Think about your unique abilities create, clear the headspace out of negativity and then start thinking about what your advantage is and how you build on it. And it's like, uh, the other thing that I did as an entrepreneur, because I failed over and over again, is I read. And, and I don't even like to read. So I didn't read. I read books on tape, but every success book I could get. And, you know, so right now you can go and find a hundred of them on Amazon, and I won't tell anyone one's better than another. I just say, start with one and make yourself better. Because one thing's for sure, people that have traveled the path learn shit that they can pass on to other people. You can improve, you can be better, and there's never been a better opportunity than right now, and there's never been a better you know, environment in terms of the United States for people to be wealthy and to get wealthy from having starting at virtually nothing. So 
that pisses people off because that's not what they want to hear and all the rest of it. But it's the fucking, it's just the fucking truth. If no, you I want it, you. you go after it and you can get it or you die fucking trying. And why well, wouldn't you die trying? Let's talk about anyone who says, is, anyone though. who says, I wouldn't, it, you know what? If it's worth it to you, if it's worth it to you to say, I want to be wealthy and I will be wealthy or I will die trying. Okay. I just would never bet. Against, I would never bet against that person because we've seen I it a thousand get it, times bro. over. I get, I get that whole thing, but is it is our purpose here just to have a good life and die, or is there something more? But but you totally switched. The... You can get it. You no no. I'm not switching. This is what you're talking about because this is like all of those self help books are about improving yourself and your psychological sense of self, right? Which is basically a separation from the yourself from the not self right and so we've already agreed that when you do that you're going to run into conflict and contradiction and the cycle turns right this is basically what turns the cycle of of society right is that we're all out for our own yeah we can we can get out there and hustle and make it work right but is does is that enough for all of us? And not I'm not saying from a standpoint. For all of us. Saying, no, no, like we're all here, man. Like this, I'm not saying it from the standpoint of like we need to help everyone, like you were talking about with Bruce the other day. I'm saying that if the cycle will repeat again, right? Because this is what creates the cycle. I think we already agreed about this, right? No, we didn't. Because the, there's subtleties right? to there's subtleties this to what division. you're saying. No, we didn't agree. We didn't agree on that. <laughs> okay, but I think we can go. We can move on because no, uh, no, we should. We shouldn't. We shouldn't move on respectfully because. But, but no, 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 no. I'm not. I don't want to stop talking about this. I just think that there's more ways to come at it, right? Well, what are but we coming at? Let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. Because I, I, I do see, despite what you said, I, I do see uh, uh, this jump, and I always see this jump, you know, in that uh, shouldn't we live in a more just uh, society? Shouldn't we live in a more uh, fair and equitable, and there's so many people who are suffering in our communities, in our country, around the world? Shouldn't we be more compassionate? Uh, who can argue with that? But let's also acknowledge that that is the tried and true formula of oppression, of control, of give up all your, right. you know. So there is always this interplay. So, no, when you're talking about uh, resources and you're talking about the two chambers and that, I think we have to make a clear distinction. And it's an artificial distinction. I get what you're saying. It's an artificial distinction. But Let on me a jump personal... in for a second there. For a second. So, <clears throat> yeah, um, it should be a more just world, right? But the contrast, right, of the previous years, right, where... Um, you know, this dichotomy of two different philosophies, right? We have one in power previously, and it creates a contrast that sets up this next section, right? Which what is what that, specifically are you talking about here? What time frame? Like, for example, like in after 9-11, um, it was the fucking right who wanted to censor the left because we were saying the government's lying to us, <laughs> right? 
And now it's the left who wants to censor the right, right? Because the right is saying the government's fucking lying to us, right? So it's just this cycle repeating. And so they set up this contrast, which is what I'm talking about with the chambers, the gas law, right? That drives it forward. It's like an artificial setup, you know? And we're all fucking just falling in with it. And this is exactly what I was talking when we, the way we began this. Are we part of the show, right? Is every position that we take just um, a response to some external stimuli that has been set up for us, you know? At every tribe that we join, every fucking, um, um, right? So every, like I'll say it again, every position that we take, is it just a, um, we've been set up to respond to something? You know? Absolutely. We already so, checked but, that box. Look, and so, but let me just finish is that this um, more just world, right, is this is now is driving us towards tyranny, right? <laughs> this is what we're fucking getting now. And no one can fucking see it, um, you know, except for people like you and me. Is is that oh, I in nineteen ninety nine I was a lefty, I was earth first, I was like the fucking earth is heating up, but now I'm just like all that shit was just a setup, man. Yeah, the climate is changing, but it's not for the reasons they're saying. They're just trying to set us up to drive us into this cage, man. It's a false dichotomy. Both fucking mazes lead to the same cage. <laughs> you know? So, and so, so what, at I... what point do we decide which is it which stimuli that do we want to fucking decide that we're going to we're going to respond to? You which know? stimuli? Which yeah. stimuli? Okay. So, <laughs> it's like we're us in a fucking maze, man. G give me a shot at which stimuli. So like one of my uh, favorite yogis, Neem Karoli Baba. Again, if you go back, Ram Das, you know, started the whole guru thing. Okay, that was yeah. his. Dude, that was his he was the guru on my parents' uh, uh, commune that they moved to in '71. He fucking, fucking twenty miles as the crow flies. He was right over the fucking there, man. <laughs> what, where, where, where exactly? In northern New Mexico. Nice. So uh, Ram Das's uh, thing, because he had Northern yeah, Mexico. That's where he lived all these years. Yeah. And, and an interesting guy. I, I, I'm not totally down with Ram Das. I mean, interesting guy. Interesting yeah. guy in that uh, uh, his relationship with Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary, not a good guy. I mean, not a good guy in some ways. And they were, he, he, you know, Ram Das had this huge crush, this huge. You know, Ram Dass was gay and he was conflicted about that. And he had this huge crush. And that's why he went to India really was because he was gay and he couldn't deal with it. And he was just like, you know. Yes. And uh, but so Ram Dass, if people forget, he was friends with Timothy Leary. They brought about the whole psychedelic thing. And he goes there and he meets Neem Karoli Baba. And Neem Karoli Baba, you can read these books. It trans He transforms these guys because they have a whole different experience. You're back on dual. But here's my point, man. I wrote down, you know, which stimulus, which stimuli, right? Neem Karoli Baba, the story is about when he was coming up because they have a whole tradition there. It's so outside of our culture. We can't even relate to it, but we should. He was called the broken, the broken bowl sadhu. He'd walk around from town to town. His only fucking possession was a broken bowl, <laughs> not even a bowl, <laughs> like a begging bowl. It was a broken bowl that he wore on his head. And then he, you know, he's one of those guys, you see it, you know, doesn't have any of the clothes on, just has a thing wrapped around. And he just sit and he did nothing. Why did he do that? 
because he was trying to remove any and every possible stimuli that this world could bring him. He wanted no stimuli because he felt that ultimately, who am I, who am I, who am I, can only come when I have no stimuli. So I'm not like fucking picking on you, Birch. I'm just saying these are the things that play in my mind is that when we start talking about stimuli and how the left and the right and this and how they're doing it again, it's like I feel a need. I feel like there's a lot of levels of withdrawing beyond that drama that are available to me and I can choose, this is back to playing the game. I can choose how far back I pull and how far I get in and I love getting in and I love debating it. But at my core, buddy, I think about that guy walking around with a broken fucking bowl on his head, barely eating anything and just going, who am I? And if I spend the rest of my life just asking that one question, that's well life well spent. Yeah, and again, I, despite us um, maybe butting heads about this a little bit, it seems like we fucking agree, bro. <laughs> because uh, when you say pull back, that's basically, right? You, we have all of this stuff. We're fucking alive, man. We got to continue to live, you know? One guy doing the guru thing is kind of like, it's he's living a metaphor you know you know what i mean yes. <laughs> and uh so when you say pull back it's like uh, to me that sounds like um how much are you going to measure these stimuli right are you going to measure it in a way about that's about human interaction right that's about a human-centered idea of what this or that is right and Perhaps if you just be like, hmm, maybe, or it seems that way, right? That's enough to divert the, um, the, the automatic response that one would want to give to something as opposed to the automatic reaction is the better word, as opposed to just responding in a way that is not based on any, um, ideology or position or group think or anything like that. Right. So here's the thing that I, I kind of drew out of that is that <laughs> where I think you went, which is like everybody goes, including myself over and over again, you know, countless number of times inside my head is that, yeah, name Kerala Baba's I love the way you put it. He's living a metaphor. He's pretending this reality isn't reality. And he's just saying it's it's a metaphor and I'm going to live metaphorically. Just doesn't matter. And then our immediate thought is because we are so conditioned to the materialistic thing, we go, yeah, but everybody can't do that. Everybody exactly. can't live a metaphor. Well, of course they but can. But we can not if, if one If one person can live the metaphor, that this is... This is, you know, in the dorky way of uh, AI kind of modern thing. This is simulation theory. It's like, it, it's all a metaphor. This is back to Shirley MacLaine. We're all here to entertain each other. Of course, everyone could live metaphorically. That is, if one person can, if unless he's, so he's either insane 
or he's touching on an ultimate truth. But if he's touching an ultimate truth, then that truth is is applies to everyone. Everyone can do that. Yeah. And so is that how we make the change that is required to break this cycle? We don't, there's no, there's no required. It's nothing is required. God doesn't need our help. So uh, there's nothing that need be done. Do do, do you, uh, what do you think of the real? I'm not arguing that there should be. This is what we're honing in on together, Alex, is like, how do we get to this place where it's. What do you think of the reincarnation uh, research? Like, I, I just listened again to uh, Jim Tucker, who, fantastic guy, University of Virginia. But I just listened to a new interview with him by my friend Brick Archer on Buddha Gas Pump. And Brick did a better job than I did at, at the interview. Evidence, just overwhelming. Anyone who doesn't, yeah. overwhelming, overwhelming, yeah. overwhelming. You reincarnate, you know. And we don't know how often, who, you know, whatever, but some people reincarnate, you know. So what do you what do you do with that now? What do you do with that? Because again, you got to process that inside of this thing. You are, and then what do you do with the between lives where people say, yeah, you know, then I just, I sat in judgment. So, oh my God, I can do better. And then, uh, but changes everything instantly, right? Yeah. And it's, to me, it's, it's not a question of whether it is or is not. It is, you know, uh, it's a thing. And I think it goes back to it's a larger cycle, you know, um, than the ones that we live in our daily lives, right? We will see this. And this is what I'm getting at, too, is that um, it's a return. They call it the karmic wheel, right, for a reason, right? Because it rhythmically rotates, you know, and we have this in our lives just in while we're alive. But if we never come to this um, place, right, where we actually realize that it's not us, right, that our bodies aren't us, that um, all of our, you know, the credit that we take for our successes and the despair that we take on for our failures is not us, (laughs) you know? And so, there's a way for, I think, some guys, maybe that guy didn't reincarnate, the guy with the bowl, you know, because he figured it out, right? Individually, we can decide not to come back to this place. But is there a purpose? Is it a never-ending wheel? Or is there a limit to this? Or is there a, is it more than just that, this like recycling of souls, you know, so to speak? And to me, there has to be something more than just that. It's not that we're all each of us individually are going to figure it out, you know, and not come back because then there's all these other souls who are trapped in here. I don't think it's necessarily a good thing to be an old soul. I think, yeah, you failed first grade over and over and over and over and fucking again, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it's like there there's something here that i think we were talking about it on the the union of the unwanted i was referencing it a little bit is that uh um <clears throat> is this a school right is earth a school in order to for our souls to learn the lessons required to elevate to a higher existence you know to a higher dimensional existence and um, I don't think that 
the way it is, right? It doesn't have to be this fucking brutal, absolutely brutal, but also, you know, the high contrast, you know, um, amazing, you know, joyous, right? Full of love, right? And this is the, the pressure difference thing that I'm talking about that drives the cycle. Is like, does is it required to have this massive contrast in order for us to learn these lessons? And what is it? What's the reason? Like, are we going to get out of here alone and say, see y'all, I'm fucking not coming back here because I figured this shit out, right? Or are we all supposed to clear this level together, you know? Are we supposed to fucking make it a better place? <laughs> And is, and is making it a better place being successful, right? Having a good life and then giving back. No, because that just is a perpetuation of the cycle, if you ask me, right? <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, when you make that shift, I, I always feel a little bit uncomfortable because I'm kind of I'm kind of with you up to the point, and then you want to kind of nail it down in a really uh, measurable way that is problematic. Like, which is what? What part of that is the problematic part? The materialistic, you know, kind of that's part of our community too. All these rich motherfuckers who are, you know, don't care about other people and and just can't see, you know, and this and that. It's like, slow your roll. Slow your fucking roll. It, it you, you know, I mean, my personal story, like, fuck, it is so insignificant. So does it matter? But you, it, my drive towards uh, being rich was single focus, single fucking focus. You know what it was? To get past it. And I've gotten past it. I quit. I, I, I banked the money I needed to bank and I quit. And I did skeptico because I wanted to find out who I am and why I'm here. <laughs> that's that's possible. That's possible yeah. to do. But if I didn't do that, I would have had lingering doubts. I would have been the guy at fucking Thanksgiving table that's fucking chewing, grinding on my fucking turkey about some big dick motherfucker. I did this. I did that. You know, dot, dot, dot. Because we all got to live. I couldn't live with that. I couldn't live with that. And that's why I did. I had to know. And like I was in, uh, you know, when I was in college, I played football. I needed to know if I could get on the field. I needed to know if I could compete. I can't sit back and go, wow, the, you know, this kind of sucks, man. And that, you know, everyone should get a chance out here. And it, it don't fucking work. You can want that, but it don't fucking work that way. And you know how it didn't work that way? It, not that it doesn't work that way in the, you know, the valves and the world. It didn't work that way for internally. Internally, my head never would have been right if I didn't, if I wasn't able to check the box. If I was going to say, okay, yeah, I, I got that done. So I'm just, it's hard for me to hear that. It's like, it, you get where I'm coming from. It pisses yeah. people off. I get it. I don't care. But if you get into that world, that entrepreneurship world, people totally get it. No, and I, I agree with you on that fully. You know, I've, you, there's these, you know, I mean, fuck, man. There's a, di a few different ways you could take this. But um, I'm the same way, man. I'm a fucking athlete. Right. I um, have 
a high level of intellect, right? But also intelligence, right? I'm not the same as you as that I didn't set up my resources in, in a way. It's like, I've been fucking struggling, man. But I'm still trying to figure this out, you know? And I'm not gonna stop, <laughs> you know? I'm not a quitter, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm never gonna give this up. Um, and I think that there's a way, right? That, uh, and fuck, it's hard to talk about because it ends up being like you're saying that there is something that should be, right? And you can never really say that. You, you can't. Because once you say that this is, should be, then you have taken a position, right? You're in a, you've polarized yourself, basically. You know? But see, here, here's the thing, Birch. It's like, I get passionate about this because it's, it, it, it just reinforces all the same shit, you know, of just why I think I'm here and, you know, why I'm meaningful and it's all bullshit and stuff like that. But there are truths, you know, this relates back to our kind of mission as podcasters and as part of a truth community. And I'm so passionate about the fact that there is truth, you know, and like, that's why I love the a Dan Rather story is he is lying. He is deceiving you. And get that down, that that at a level that you should never have to confront, that was a lie. And if you can't get past that lie, like you said at the very beginning, then you can't get past that. So here's a lie on, on resources and on making it. Do what you love and the money will follow. People follow that. In my experience, that's complete and utter bullshit. And if you talk to anyone who's ever made any money They'll tell you, well, of course, that's bullshit. Of course, I had to go sell software and make 18 hours a day of phone calls. And I did not enjoy that. That isn't what I loved. But it is what I needed to do to get to the next level. This is an example of my head. The head flew. What do you say? The head flew forward. That's a lie. Do what you love and the money will follow. That's a lie. Find out where the fucking money is. Find out how somebody else figured out how to get the fucking money and go ask them not what they did. Go ask them what their beliefs are. Go ask them what their values are. Go copy brilliance. Not because you want to be like that person because you want the fucking money. So the, the, the formula is true. The formula is just as true in that as it is for how they fucking managed to get Dan Rather to say a complete lie and then carry on this, you know, because you want to talk about 9-11. Think about it, man. The, Dan, but this is 1960. These guys did this whole fucking thing. It started the whole fucking thing, right? Yeah, I probably I think. What I argue in my podcast is it goes back even farther, man. Oh, you absolutely. talk about the Roman Empire. I think it goes right. back even before that shit. Right. Of course. And this is but it's a continuation of the pattern. Right. Yes. The pattern persists and it perhaps it has a limit. You know, there's right. If we look around, it could be getting pretty bad, like right about now for a lot of people, you know. And so <coughs> what one guy's is, have you heard of Daniel Schmattenberger? He's a brilliant uh, scientist, researcher, writer, and he talks about how uh, runaway technological growth is incompatible with the way that we operate as humans, 
and the, it leads to two things. Basically, one thing is what he's saying is that our technology is incompatible with this rivalrous um, way that we operate, right? And it'll get to a point where we self-terminate, you know? And to me, I think that it's there's two things that could happen to the human race, right? Which is that happens, right? We completely, you know, we make it so it's unlivable, right? Or the other thing, which seems to be kind of happening, is that we kind of get put into this stasis box, you know, where a large portion of people perish and the rest of us are just these flesh robots who run around operating on very limited, uh, you know, um, faculty, right? <laughs> but is there a third way? Like, is there a way that we can get out of this cycle, right? Is there a third option? Birch, let me ask you this again. I love asking kind of completely <laughs> off the wall roundabout questions. The preliminary assessment UAP report. UAP. Right? Are you the, the UAP, which is the new code speak for uh, UFO? Of course, they want oh, to change yeah, yeah. the thing. But this is official, right? They said Trump, you know, then 180 days. 180 days, the government's going to release everything, and then it came up. This is like a month ago in June, you know, yeah, that, yeah. okay, this is 180 days. Here's the preliminary UAP report. Here's what it says. The reason I bring it up is this is bigger than all that shit that you're just talking about, right? It, it By definition, not my thing. It's just, it is. It is. It's but, but why, it, Why what, is that what, bigger? It falls into because ET because ET is always it's almost he, kind of like ah, it's like no no it really no, even no matter no. that much if no it's just part of it. It's just another element of the whole thing. Yeah, but but like what we know about ET, like what we just intuitively, not even intuitively, like evidentially know is like ET is somewhat above you know in this intellectual kind of thing. Like ET. Shut down all the nukes, right? So the anyone has ever looked into that? They just went, went beep, 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 yeah, beep, yeah. beep, 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 shut down all the nukes. And then they went over to Russia and they turned them all on. Beep, 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 turn on all the nukes, right? So it's like you can play with your little toys here. You're all excited about it. No, that doesn't mean anything. ET abducts people. And they come and they do these things and we don't understand. And people say, oh, yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. Why would they do all those experiments? I don't know, but they do. And what's clear is that we're looking through the long end of the lens. We're down here as these measly little intellectually limited humans saying, oh, my God, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, fuck right. It doesn't make any sense. But it apparently makes sense to this higher ordered intelligence that's been around for hundreds of thousands of years. So and then we have a government that is in has been working with them forever. So it's like, back to my point, man, and I'm fucking, that trumps everything. This but is you what- You say them, but there's all these different factions. You know, uh, so exactly. There's so there are, all these different species, different all these different factions. <laughs> but where does that put the issues that you were, that you were just talking about? It puts them on a 
completely different. You know, it's like there's some tribe in New Guinea right now, and the biggest, most important thing in their fucking world is whether or not they should burn that 20 acres that that guy has over there. And guys go, no, don't fucking be the guys are doing that. He's like, well, I have a machete. You know, that's their whole, and they're going to debate that for five years. It's going to be the most important thing in the world. And I see what you're getting at. So there's a someone with way more power than us and they're interested in our deal right and so whatever we think we can do is kind of moot right because these guys are the ones holding the cards only it's worse than that because we don't even know if that hierarchical structure that you just laid out is is at all true that could be our interpretation of it and it could be something completely different you know that could be uh layers above that or or we're actually have the you know it, it just could be anything that you can imagine well i mean here's what i think though it's like they're creatures of the universe too they have the same fucking problems as us you know and i mean maybe not problems but the same set of things about being having a body right right and what does it mean to have a body and is it in is it an incarnation of uh uh, of a higher dimensional uh, entity, right? And so it's like, again, it's like, maybe some of these fuckers fucked up real bad in the past, and that's why they're messing with us, you know? It's like, they have the same issues as us, and if we fucking let them dictate, right? We, c I think it's possible that uh, a psychological <laughs> transformation can make it so that whatever they're doing really doesn't matter. And there's that whole thing, you know, the Star Trek uh, where they can't get involved with uh, the races that they come in contact with, the Prime Directive, right? Right? There's something to that, right? Once any ET gets involved in us, they are in the wheel of karma then, right? They are sucked in, <laughs> you know? And so the good guys can't fucking, they can only like whisper, right, <laughs> in our ear, right? The bad guys are the ones fucking with us because they're already in it, man. They're already in this shit. Yeah, I, I, I definitely uh, <laughs> like I, I relate to the beginning and the end of that. You said very much the way I always kind of put it is what is ETC in his is NDE? What does ETC in his NDE? And you go, Boo! OK, so <laughs> ET is now like judging uh, you know, sitting in judgment going, oh, wow, why did I uh, do that? And why did I do that? And what will I do? To, you know, it changes yeah. the whole thing, you know. And then when you factor in the evil factor, which has kind of been a thing of mine, it's like, wow, why was I drawn to do, you know, these kind of soul crushing things that really didn't advance my ET soul, which is not an ET soul because there's only one soul and there's only one consciousness. Kind of thing. <laughs> Those are more, yeah, that's kind of more my head goes on that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with regards to evil, you know, like let's, we could talk about that because I think it, it relates to everything we're talking about really, you know? Right. And what I mentioned on my family thinks I'm crazy is that uh, about, I wanted to ask you, because we were talking about you on the show, I wanted to ask you what you thought of the possibility that evil is an invention, is an invention. 
again, you know, it's like this kind of multi-layered thing that we're talking about because at one level, none of it is, none of it is real. You know, it's all just kind of words and concepts and stuff like that. But uh, again, we keep re- right to the illusion though. Like it's maybe it's not real, it's an illusion, but perhaps the illusion is all in our fucking heads, you know. Well, but this is how we work it out. Exactly, exactly, and and again, that's why your 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 green night thing is is like so interesting because it's like you don't ever have to go anywhere else, right? You can stay in the green night forever and be productive and fruitful in terms of answering all these questions and you can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think that is awesomeness that some people don't want to, don't get, they don't get, and they want to move on and okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got it. I got it. Next thing, next thing. And it's like, no, bro, slow, slow. Just it's it's all the same kind of thing. But with, with regard to evil, if we are going to put it in those terms. And again, I think that the, the Green Knight is challenging in some ways because it it tiptoes up to the evil question. Now, some of the objections I have, or the I won't say objections, but the way I don't relate to the Green Knight and the King Arthur kind of thing is that to me it doesn't get to a certain core of that that I think is more malevolent then then we we want to kind of sometimes look at you know there is horror and and that was my thing on evil in in my book and stuff was to say you know cuz i just get you you could tell i mean i get pissed you know and, and, but i try and focus it in a positive way cuz we all have these different ideas and stuff like that but it's like no man colonel michael aquino that's fucking evil Taking six-year-olds into your house with your wife in a black room and having sex with them and taking pictures of them and destroying their soul, that's fucking evil. And I just interviewed a guy, and he's a Christian pastor, but he's a kind of lefty, woke, hey, there's no good emotions, bad emotions. Yes, there are good emotions. There are bad emotions. Michael Aquino had bad emotions. So are there, is there a source for that? I don't know, but he had bad emotions, and he did bad things. And we can make a moral judgment Good, bad, yes, it happens. So now that we got that fucking clear, Dan Rather, head moves back. It doesn't move forward. Now that we're past that deception, now we can at least have a conversation, right? But before that, if you want to tell me there is no evil, it's just, you know, it's all that, that we can't really, which is, I think, the thing you said at the beginning of this interview, which is like, we got to get to beyond some level of bullshit where we can kind of say, okay, you know, this is, you know, for purposes of conversation, this is like real. So to me, that's real. Yeah. So I was saying, yeah, there's some nuance there for sure. Like not saying that evil doesn't exist, but that perhaps it was, it's a, it's a way to garner a response. Right. And, um, you know, in, in history, um, something I discovered when I was a kid, I was like, man, 
every time there's a revolution and a government is overthrown because they're bastards, right? They're tyrants. Um, it, the new government ends up being the same way. You know, we end up the good side fighting against evil ends up being uh, oppressive in the same kind of way, right? After they get in power. And it, is it this, again, this cycle, this response? Like, so if evil can be an invention on a more general scale, as opposed to these fucking sickeningly uh, disturbing individuals that you- No, reference. no, no, stick to the sick, st stick for a minute with the sickening, disturbing in individuals, because what was Michael Aquino, Colonel Michael Aquino, who was highly regarded, worked in the military for a long time, worked to MK Ultra, did all these things, was respected, promoted, all this. Was he trying to, what did you say, garner our response? Is that why he took kids into his, his room and they... Uh, I, I think there could be multiple levels of his fucking depravity, you know, the, how it got there. You know, it wasn't like. Um, well, is it is it evil though? Is it evil or is it just I a guy kind of boys will be boys kind of? No, it's fucking evil for sure. Evil. Then then it's a, then it's a different conversation. See yeah. see this but, is where I get still, fucking though, pissed like, off though. Stop no, no, hold on, Birch. This is where how I get do you pissed stop off. It from happening, right? This yeah, is forget that. Response. Forget that. Forget that. For <laughs> for a minute, this is now a different conversation, because there is evil. And Michael yeah. Aquino is, it's fucking evil. It's well, not where just. Where does evil start though? Well, I don't know. But there, we can't, like this was the whole point of this fucking book was <laughs> until you can drive a stake in the ground and, and I always do this to people and I always get them to roll over like you did. Even the, the most hardcore, they go, no, that's fucking evil. You know, it's oh, like, okay, dude, now we're having a different assuming discussion. assuming that I don't agree with you and you get me to roll over and then that's not the case. No, no, no. I'm sorry, man. I'm <laughs> just sorry. Just for the sorry. purposes yeah, of take conversation. It, take it back. Uh, but you get my you you kind of get what I'm saying in that, like there's a lot of interesting questions that can begin once we say, okay, there is this force that is beyond all this other shit that we normally talk about, and now we gotta confront that in terms of like what is the nature of it, how does it start, it is there, how do you prevent it, all that. Okay, now we can have that discussion, but realize that that is not the discussion and it's intentionally not the discussion that's going on in the public discourse and in academia, the discussion is, ah, you know, well, you know, it's not really, is that really, no, that's evil, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the to be wishy-washy about it is fucking stupid, but uh, again, um, is this our, is this in our nature, right? Does this just come out? Is any organization that we ever try collectively gonna be corrupted on these, either in these, uh, on the microcosm or in a more general sense? Is anything where we try gonna be corrupted? Because there's evil in our nature, because there's this, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where you could talk about what motivates a guy like that, right? But it, to me, I don't watch these true crime shows, right? To me, it's like disgusting. And um, it kind of, it pollutes my um, thinking, you know? I don't want to see that shit, right? But it's a really popular thing these days, you know? Is that people wanting to find out what it is that makes these evil motherfuckers tick, you know? And is it 
just part of being human? Is it our nature? Can we get away from that? Well, my investigation of it led me to the answer to that directly simply is no. And that there are ex entities, for lack of a better term, spiritual entities in an extended consciousness realm that are malevolent, that have, they are, we can see it, it's as below, so above. So we see people in this world who are just depraved. They, they, for whatever reason, they, not even for whatever reason, we kind of understand the reason, which is the love and light and energy that flows through all of us also gets blocked in all of us. It doesn't flow through us sometimes. Sometimes it turns into anger. Sometimes it turns into jealousy. Sometimes there isn't even a reason for that. It's a this, But that blockage of energy then becomes really uncomfortable and we want to get it out. And we've all experienced sometimes we get it out in ways that are not so positive. And when I talked to Dr. Tom Zinzer for my book, he just kind of lays it out and says, yeah, that's what happens. You know, you get this block. Actually, this is more like a Mickey Singer kind of uh, uh, philosophy thing. And it's very yogic. It's like that energy gets blocked. And over time, we can find unproductive ways to channel that energy. And then there's spirit entities in this other realm that pick that up and say, great, I got a hook into Birch. Let me tell you, now, doesn't it feel good when that energy, that love and light, instead of flowing through you, if we flow it like this, Birch, doesn't that fucking feel great and powerful for a minute? You go, yeah, that did. Okay, bro, stay with me. We're going to do it again. And the first time might just be punching somebody in the face, and the next time might be something worse, and the next time might be something worse. And if you do, I don't like that true crime shit either. But if you ever do, go listen to it. Like I listened to uh, uh, one of them on, on Netflix, and it's exactly what the guy said. You know, it starts out as a little compulsion, and before you know it, and then there's a voice, and the voice gets stronger and stronger. Bam! I mean, he's laying out to you exactly the mechanics that you go down to become evil. And then, you know... Do we have a hard time relating to that? I don't. I'm sure you don't. You've been around the world. You've been around the, the, the block, you know. It's like, are there people in your life who drag you down, who want to drag you down, who want to, you know, at the beginning, you were like, I'm not hanging out with those losers. And before you know it, you're, you're just right there with them. I mean, is that hard to understand? No, man. Misery loves company. Yeah, but... Uh... Can this be related back to the thing that this is uh, a, an identification of the psychological self, right? And a way to make this self feel better, right? Does that lead to that? Is it a cascading effect no matter what fucking path it leads to? Is it a cascading effect? Is this, and it, can it be like, we were talking about as far as the entertainment as aspect in the way that I was talking about it in that every week you need a new fix of fucking something to make you feel righteous, you know, and that feels good. See those motherfuckers don't know what they're talking about. Those stupid motherfuckers, you know, it's like, th is this the cascading thing, right? Can we identify it? Can we peel it all the way back to this one simple thing, which is this self-preservation? this preservation of the psychological self. There you go.
Um, I think that's like a super interesting point, you know. Um, but we've returned to this topic. We'll return to it one more time. To me, this, the, the super interesting thing is the balancing act and the both and. And it's like to deny that psychological factor that you're talking about right there, which I totally 100% agree with, is to deny a big part of it because the implications of that is that I can change that psychologically, the internal dialogue. I am not totally without control of that. Now juxtapose that with the other thing too, which is, which people want to get stovepipe and not, you know, accept both is okay. But there is an extended consciousness realm with spirit entities that have an ability to influence, and it's almost like a technology that we don't totally understand. But <laughs> I've had COVID for the last two weeks. I'm finally feeling better. But there, You're doing great. so they they that's so that's a reality too. And it's like you know, again, I, I I'm sorry if, if anyone kind of feels offended that we've appeared to butt heads, but. To me, this is like the super exciting conversation. It's the next level conversation that I like to have. And that's that finding that middle ground between, yeah, it is psychological and yeah, it is spiritual at this other thing. And I got to sort that out. That's my job. That's exciting and it's challenging. Yeah. And it's related to, you know, these mythic stories, right? They always have this aspect in it, you know, and they, uh, <clears throat> and the, the teachings, right? Which is like Taoism and Hinduism and Buddhism. I mean, Buddhism is a lot of people in the West think it's a religion and they call themselves a Buddhist, but really it's the science of the mind, you know? And so it's like, it's how to, um, set up a guard on your mind, basically the palace guard on your mind. That's a Buddhist principle, right? Whereas it, it basically fucking, you know, hits its spear on the floor when you fucking start doing this bullshit, right? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. the idea is, is to eventually send that palace guard out into the garden, you know, where it's not necessary. You know? Right. Beautiful. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so that's the, with the Taoist principle of Wu Wei, have you heard of this? No. So it's very common. And, you know, um, Alan Watts talked about it a lot. But uh, the common translation of Wu Wei is do nothing and nothing is left undone. You know? <laughs> and so the another translation is about virtue, superior and inferior virtue. Right? So inferior virtue is overly concerned with virtuosity, which is basically this human uh, interaction idea of what vir virtue is, right? Superior virtue is not concerned with being virtuous and so therefore is virtuous, right? And uh, Alan Watts has this whole thing about do-gooders are troublemakers, right? <laughs> because they are always trying to do the right thing, you know? But it's always in relation to what, to this, it's always basically in opposition to what is bad, you know? And so this is what I was referring to before is this, is this ever turning cycle, right? Where 
uh, inferior virtue is a response to something that they perceive as bad, right? And so you can basically, this is also what I was talking about, you can basically be tricked into thinking you're doing the right thing and really you're paving the fucking way to hell, <laughs> you know? And this is what I see happening over here, right? Right now in the world, right? Is everyone wants to be good, right? But they've set up this external stimuli that makes that is actually driving us towards a fucking horrible existence, you know? See, I, I, well, it, it's kind of funny you want to pull it back into that uh, dimension, but that's fine. But if we are, I, I do see it as, uh, I don't want to say completely different, but I see, and I think it's funny because I think you'll wind up agreeing with me and maybe I could agree with you if I was so fucking oppositional, but it's, I see an overriding control mechanism that wants to fucking run the whole thing into the fucking ground and does not give a fuck, does at so fundamentally doesn't give a fuck. And this whole do-gooding thing uh, is just complete ploy, just a complete, it's manipulation because people are stupid and it's a good way to, 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 you can get so many people on board with the, hey, I'm doing good. And don't you want to save yeah. the environment and you horrible <laughs> person and get yeah. vaccinated, get vaccinated for the health workers. How could you possibly put the health workers at risk? It's like, man, anyone, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think we're kind of insane there. It's like. No, man, that don't have nothing to do with doing good. It's just an agenda. It's the fucking, their agenda is clear. They just want to fucking dominate everybody. And that's just a ploy, man. It's just a ploy. It's no do good. It, there's no do good about it. Huh. I mean, uh, I I brought it back to that realm, but I think that it's all in there, right? And so everything we were talking about today, it's cool, man. It's a good conversation, right? Yeah. So, uh is related to this thing, which I think is there's this deeply rooted misstep, maybe, right? That we all make that leads to the same pattern being repeated over and over. And you can say that, yeah, these they want to dominate the fucking world, right? <laughs> right? And so but, that, but like you said, that's that's history. That's you can't find a, per a period in history when yeah, that hasn't so been this the, would be the job this one. Would be the case where it would be like a full fucking global control fucking system, you know? Yeah, but everybody had that goal in mind. No, That's no, what I'm no, saying. No, it's, yeah. we, it's like, it, it seems like it's it's possible to them, for them to achieve, right? Which doesn't seem like a good thing. You know, I don't, I don't make that, I don't I mean, make a big deal about it. I don't, I don't think there's a big deal there. I don't think there's a big deal to be made. I think it misses the point. It takes us in the wrong direction. It's like that they now have the technology where the global domination could actually, so what? Look at the fucking Romans. The Romans just ran out of shit that they were interested in fucking conquering. Look at any, you know, it's just, it's no, it's not, it's it, to me, it's not that different. It's the same shit. It's the same, but like is it the is the snake running out of tail right no it's the same shit it's just the so same shit that's what disturbs me is that this shit is just going to keep happening man <laughs> you know because none of us can fucking actually flip the switch and say no you know 
because it's only, really we can offer. flip the, we're, we we're can flip the switch for ourselves the romans made an offer too they're like here you go man i'm gonna like you were saying the other day i'm gonna we're gonna build up all of these theaters and fucking public spaces and make it all bitching for you but don't get out of line because check it out we've got a legion right here right and they really know how to fight and you cannot stop them right it's like you're being made an offer where the alternative is death right it's threat of death basically you know and so this is how you create a stable society is you you make it so that there's the alternative is unacceptable right the alternative is unacceptable and this is what fucking Gwen fucking figures out where he faces death unflinchingly right and he has that epiphany at that point after realizing that all of his knightly virtues have been compromised <laughs> you know everything that this is wu wei right everything that humans thinks is virtuous ends up getting contradicted in this story right the five the pentangle the five uh knightly virtues right he contradicts all of them right <laughs> and so everything he thought that he was turns out that it gets flipped you know and in the end uh he uh has to uh face uh his his side of the bargain that he made with the green knight which is that he has to take the blow now right and he has to the green knight is like chuckling man he's like ha ah, you flinched there buddy he's like can you do this can you let me fucking strike without you flinching you know and he has to let who he thinks he is go and he has to face real death without flinching and becomes a new person after that so the only way to stop this shit right the only way to say no to the offer that the romans are giving us right is to unflinchingly not fear death right that's the only way we can just, we can refuse the offer because other the alternative is refuse the offer all right you're all going to die but if we all fucking refuse at once they have nothing right because we are the value there's no value without people interacting with each other you know that's where all the value from society comes from you know you hear what i'm saying there <laughs> we're, just, we're just repeating the same kind of thing it's like i've always had a problem with uh, collective i don't think that way and and I, I understand the legitimacy of it, but I also understand it as fundamentally a tool for manipulation and control. So it's like what I want is a system that gives me but the max. You can't have anything individually unless the other people are fucking operating. Bullshit. Right? There's no, it's, Bullshit. There's, it's not Bullshit. mutually exclusive. No, well, you're going to go that's live just, off that's just not, not that's just, fucking, uh, No, it's just not true. That's just not true. It, Look, it's, we all can't just live on our own, man. We got to interact. Yeah, no, that's hey, just that's just Alex, part of the that's just growing. part of the thing. That's part of the thing that that you know, it, 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 it like if there's these two different kind of there's no value they, without the fucking interaction, man. If there's two different kind of things, one is just get the fucking shot, would you? Why are you being such a dick? Just get the shot and then you can go to the football game and then the poor health workers, you know, that's what? the Just... offer, dude. The offer is, is that 
You're going to die. We're all in this together, Birch. <laughs> Just take the jab. We're all in this together. You can't live by yourself, Birch. So I'm saying no, Birch. I'm saying no. No, we can't. But you see how these things overlap. How they yeah, get but do you see how they overlap? You keep coming back side, to the same but thing, it can also work I can't for the do my own thing. This is Live the conflict. Die. This is the contradiction that I'm referring to, right? This is this is what happens to Gwen. He tries to take a position on a, a virtuous position, right? And it gets fucking overturned. You know? I mean, you think that you're arguing against me, but you're arguing with me, buddy. We're, we're together on this, man. We're together. We <laughs> yeah, we are. We're arguing whether we're together or we're not. <laughs> um, yeah, so what, right? Okay, so what aspect of our society, Alex, right? If you think that the that anything could be done, right? This is how you were talking to Bruce the other day. What what part of our society, if we could reorganize it, would actually have an impact on the inertia of society and actually alter the course of this runaway train, you know? I don't know that, I don't, so here's kind of a, we'll get out of the rut that we've been in for a minute. I don't know, this is the worst I've ever seen in my life. Just if I'm going to be straight up uh, honest, the level of uh, d control they have, the level of deception, the level of uh, Dan Rather and his head flop forward, uh, that's like times 10. I mean, sometimes I'm not a Trumpster at all, at all. I don't know what the... I'm I don't on know what the, either side. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't know what the ultimate reality is. I hope someday in the future I can kind of figure that out. But any fucking moron that can't see that the guy got more fucking votes and you can't have precincts where they had 103% for one guy and we can't get that shit fucking straight? Dog, what the fuck? You just, oh, well, we just roll past that. What are you talking about? No, that's, what are you, that's conspiracy. I, uh, like, bro, <laughs> that got 103% in that precinct in fucking Milwaukee. Does that make any sense to you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all right there, man. And they're just like, oh, it's bullshit, or yeah, you know. uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, and then his head, see his head, because he got shot in the back. His head, I saw the video, I saw the Subruder film. His head flops forward. I'm telling you, yeah, it's like it's just a lie, and we're at a level where these lies are just like I say, unprecedented in. Because, you know, if you really know, like Dan Rather said that lie, but that lie was exposed pretty quickly. I mean, in the 60s, people knew that was a lie. They didn't yeah. do anything about it. But now I think the lies are just they're at a level where people just. I don't know. I might be wrong. Maybe it's always been like that. But people are just not able to process the the, the level of deception. So. What can we but do? But is it cognitive dissonance that when in the, when you say process, is that what it is? Is they refuse to process it, or is there some people who are actually like, "What? This is crazy, man. This is absolutely nuts." I don't know. So what what aspect of our society could we 
That, no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I, you know, the pessimistic side of me, when that kind of rises up, says we are past the point of talking about like fixing it, that the level of control is, you know, it's just beyond the way we've always thought about fixing stuff. It's going to take something different that I don't know what it is. So that's the one part of it. And then the other part that people come back and push and say, yeah, really, we're at a time when there's more. We're having this kind of conversation. And uh, there wasn't this conversation after Dan Rather's broadcast. You couldn't find it. And, it. and and now you can find it. So does that make it better? Does that make it possible? Uh, yeah. I, you know, that's the optimistic side of it for me. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, I think that you're right. I think that people talking about it is good, but then we're back to the first question, right? Is that now we have all of this bifurcation in the truth movement, right? And so do we actually By get- design. Do we, do we have, actually get anywhere, you know? And uh, so yeah, everyone wants to argue over the details, right? But there is something happening here. And so how do we do it? What is the way that we, change it right and again it's like is is it possible to change or it does anything need be changed right except for maybe the solution exists in each of us already you know right it's already there it's ever present you know and so that in that way you can think about it in a way nothing really needs to be done except for to flip that switch you know <laughs> in each of us and that switch once you do it then you actually live in a way that is non-dual right because you never take a position on anything you know but then how do you actually make something right this is the only way we can make something new but what is it if it's not in relation to something else you know if it's well, not right what, what do you think about that birch in terms of you're such an interesting guy in terms of, you know, you go to your website and you see your design is like the ultimate, the ultimate manifestation of materialism. You know, yeah. it's from yeah. your head to, you know, some, so how do you say what you just said and then reconcile it with your professional life and your skill and your talent? And, you know, I mean, what is the, the, your gifts, your gifts, right? You know, which is always for all of us is, you know, is that, that must I be a love thing. that you asked that question because um, where I wanted to say what the solution is, is actually a, how do we fix this material problem, right? Because it really is a material problem because we have bodies, you know, we're alive, you know, and, uh, and so to reconcile that, it's like, one of uh, my personal logos is the atom, you know, and the interior is, it says idea, right? And then all of the ways that an idea becomes manifest are the electrons going around, right? The, the, the nucleus, right? And so that's how we kind of operate as human beings is that we, there's this nebulous thing of an idea, and then we collapse the wave function of that right into something real by taking all of these steps that are required you know and so those are that's the way i design stuff right and i, I have to work for corporations right and they it's like okay design a fucking router you know <laughs> and 
that is like, all right, I'm going to do it. And, uh, but I think that the original organization, right? If we go back to like the first tool that we ever made as like a race, you know, right? Which is stone tools. It created this uh, before and after that is so stark, right? That without this tool, you know, the differences are crazy and it's very perceptible to others around, right? That if you have this stone tool and with its sharp cutting edge, right? You can fuck shit up quick, <laughs> you know? And it's obvious to everyone else around. And so this technology creates a value well, right? Like a gravitational source. And people organize around this value well, right? So it's really the stuff that we make. If we wanted to make inroads on how we can solve this shit, we go towards what we make. And so we've, we have to do away with the way we make shit <laughs> because it is screwing us hard, you know? And there's a new way to organize. So if we create a value well based on what we make, right? If we can create a new value well that makes the 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 way we do it now obsolete, right? If you think about like I was just saying, that you have a stone tool, you don't have a stone tool, you're gonna want to figure out what's up with that. And you're gonna start trying to like get with whoever has these stone tools and figure out how to make them or how we be a part of this shit, you know? And then that's what Buckminster Fuller, one of my, you know, inspirations said. He was like, you don't fight against the existing system. You create a new one that makes the old one obsolete. And so it's value that really drives people's motivation, right? And value comes from, right? Material value comes from the stuff that we make. And so that's what I've been working on. And if you listen to my episode six and seven, right? Before I started this podcast, um, it was like, how do we fix manufacturing? It was like, because I'm an industrial designer, right? And this is where I was at. Like when I was going to Art Center in Pasadena, I was like, man, this is fucked, <laughs> right? They're teaching us just to be these, uh, you know, sketch jockeys, you know, for corporations, you know, where they basically corner their market on value production, you know? They are the value sources, right? They control all the sources of value, right? So we take back the sources of value, right? And we have everyone be included, right? And that's just a, you know, a short summary. But see, see, that's the so only cool. way that organization could be successful is if we flip that fucking psychological switch. Yeah, Otherwise, so yeah, it's corrupted. Uh, uh, again, dude, bro, it, it is so. <laughs> I love it, just, man. I love it. I, I love it too. Your ears turn, buddy. <laughs> so here, here's the thing, like what you said is is like so freaking interesting to me, and so in line with like what I was saying about like as a computer programmer, you know, like there's so many uh, things I've seen that, you know, change the world. Like I, I always remember this is really, really old school, but people think about uh, like spreadsheets at a time there wasn't spreadsheets, you know, and then an electronic spreadsheet. I forget which one, the first one, oh, I forget, but uh, it definitely wasn't Excel. It was Visilink or whatever. Anyways, it changed the way that you think. 
Yeah. It's like before yeah. there were spreadsheets and you put the numbers down and then you did a little calculator and you add it across and you add it down. And then you say, well, the spreadsheet did the same thing. It's like, no, 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 no. The spreadsheet now made possible a whole different way of thinking yeah. that it expanded a vista in it. And that's what I hear you saying in terms of design. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I love the Bucks. Bucky, uh, but also you can think of a million different designs that just changed stuff. And it's like even the simplest kind of little thing. And I yeah. think that's a beautiful thing. But then, dude, I always want to pull up and disagree with you. It's like greatest time in our history for an individual like you to design. You could design totally right there. You can prototype totally right there you could get something and you could send it yeah, off it electronically it possible to... for what i'm discussing go ahead though so uh, I'm the just technology saying, makes it possible go ahead <laughs> it's the best of times it's the worst of times you know so kind of when i hear your story and then the end of the story is yeah and we're fucked because it's the worst of times it's like bert this is the best possible time in history for you to come up with a design of something that changes the world. It's There's never been a better time in history. That's what I'm right working now. on. But the design has to be the way we design. It's meta. I don't, I don't give a fuck. It just, <laughs> it's the best time. The, the enabling the enabling factors are, are there in a way that they've never been before. You could design the whole thing right there in your in your room and you I can know, push well, a button and I it can be start know. being manufactured in fucking China tomorrow. I mean, that's never been possible before. This is what I do. I know this, man. I, I know you know it. I'm just saying, why does your story sound like it gets right up to that and then it says, and we're all fucked because they own the whole thing. No, it's better than you, it's ever been. You were hearing me wrong. I was point. you got to understand the relationship in order to negate it. Right. Uh, so don't think that because I'm pointing out what's fucked doesn't mean that that's how you actually make a solution, because you got to see what's fucked up first. Right. Touche. Touche. You're you're I I agree. One thousand percent is like. Right. right. Sweet. <laughs> wow, dude. We're at one forty eight. Uh, do you want to like try to wrap this up and then maybe yeah. we can talk again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it's I'd love to it's, talk to you some more about, you know, some other stuff like mythology and, and the Romans and, you know, other stuff. I'm a student of history as well. So it's, it's been fantastic. And I, I just sincerely mean that. And, uh, I know it sounds a little rough on the edges of some people, but Hey man, it's no, no. a real conversation. This is what, you know, you said when I asked you to come on the show, you were like, I may get a little skeptical on it. I'm like, I wouldn't expect anything less, man. <laughs> awesome, Verge. I yeah. respect what you're doing, man. It's awesome. Yep. Same and here. I love the Green Knight. You introduced me to a whole new world. Cool. Well, uh, let's stay in touch and uh, maybe bring me on your show, huh? <laughs> sure. You, you got to give me something really specific to talk about. But yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we could talk about um, 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 mass customization, right? Organization without leadership. How's that? Oh, man, that's going to be a repeat of what we just did. We need something. <laughs> no. we need some, we'll find it. All right. All right, okay, bro. So good to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Likewise. Appreciate right. it. Bye. Bye, man.